0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit GlobalRiver.org. Well, praise God. I have uh, titled this message this morning, Created in Christ Jesus to Do Good Works. I want to kind of ask you a question, and I'll get Daniel to get ready to cue up that one thing, but I'll give you a word when to show it. Um, Let me give you a statement, and then the first thing that comes to your mind, I want to hear what your thoughts are on that from a few of you. What I saw was an absolute masterpiece. What comes to mind? The sky, okay. A newborn baby, yeah. Any others? Creation. Creation, all creation. Oh, painting—a beautiful masterpiece of painting. Amen. The ocean. Yeah, the ocean. Sometimes you look at it like, whew. Salvation—a Salvation, masterpiece. Yeah. When you think about, so, so when you think of the a masterpiece as, um, first coming to mind. Let me ask you this: It could be an artist, someone who paints. Um, in fact, the other day, we were at a real estate closing and. Uh, my wife was taken by the painting that was behind the receptionist's desk. She went on and on, ended up talking to the real estate lawyer about it. Who did that? I want to get a picture of it. I'm like, I, I, I love what Brian does and, and some of them that are, but it, it doesn't capture me. Like, you know, it's like, wow. And, and so, but those who paint, those who have, have spent any time in it, they can be captured by I remember um, I was coming back from Mozambique and I took... Two of my daughters and my wife on the way back from Africa said, well, let's stop in Paris on the way back. We got the flight ready. I took three women to Paris. I don't recommend that. That is. They wanted, in like two days, they wanted to see everything in Paris. I got so worn out. I mean, we, I don't, how many naked paintings and all that can you look at? I mean, right? It's like, please. But I said, look, I'm going back to the hotel. I gave them my credit card. said, Stay out of trouble, you know. Stay together, and man. But the the artist who's who knows. But I do remember one that captured me. Um, there, there's certain craftsmen. If you're a craftsman that you build furniture, man. If you see a piece of like, whoa, that is like. How about an architect? Um, those who draw buildings. They see a, a a structure that's like, whoa. I know what went into that, right? So. What's the point? How about a movie producer? Have you The cine- cinematography or the production of that, you see it and it's like, that was a masterpiece, right? Well, what's the point? It's like the person who has such a great appreciation or understands the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it, right? That person has an appreciation for that masterpiece. Now, for me, um, week uh, a year ago this December, my wife let me go out and buy a special firearm. If you're a bear hunter and you have a bear running at you at 20 yards at full gallop, you want a weapon, like a forty five seventy with a 330 grain bullet that will stop that, right? May not communicate to some of you, but um, when I got that stainless steel, Winchester, lever action, sweet, and it fully graved and it was like, whoa, now that is a masterpiece, right? And the way I treat my wife is kidding me, you know, when, You care more about that stuff than I said, no, I care about you. I do care about you. Anyway, what's the point? Let me show you this. Daniel, if you could cue that up. See if anybody knows what this is. I had to look it up. I remembered it when I went to St. Peter's Basilica. Anybody, any of you artists? Come on, Julie. It's Viata, okay, wow. That is, who did it? Who, who, who chiseled that? Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Man, you, you guys are good. <laughs> um, several years in the making, it came from a solid piece of marble, a solid piece of marble. Can you, when you look at that, it's obviously, it's um, not biblical really because the, the bruised and broken body would be different, but there's the mother holding our Savior at the, after the crucifixion. And it's so detailed that that doesn't really do it justice. But when I was in the Basilica and I looked at it's like whoa the the actual life um, folds everything. It was like amazing. What's the point? Michelangelo took a chisel and a hammer and for years working that from a solid piece of marble and created that. Thank you, Daniel. Well. When we think about what God says, that you and I have been formed from the stone of life. (laughs) Amen? Someone has said this expression. I like it. It says, we are formed on the anvil of life. An anvil is where the old time metal workers would take it and they'd heat up the metal and they'd get it pliable, and then they would work it. Have you ever see guys who make horseshoes or swords or anything like that, right? Um, it's that heat and the pounding and the, the working of that. Philippians 1.6 says this, I am certain, this is a quote Paul writes to Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God, who began the good work within, within you, this is specific, will continue will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. I am certain, Paul writes, that God who, who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. So, my counsel to us is don't resist the chisel. Some of you come, like, oh, my God, what is happening? I don't know. I mean, sometimes we know it's the devil. Sometimes it's whatever's going on, we win, and God will work us through. This too shall pass, right? There is a master craftsman just like Michelangelo who's got the hammer and the chisel, and he's working on you and me because he calls you a masterpiece, right? I've got that listed if you... We'll get there in a moment, so, but let's turn, if you will, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. So go all the way to the back, and let's hear what Peter says, 1 Peter 2. I want to pick up in uh, verse 4. Living stones, so just think of that picture that you're a, that large lump of marble, beautiful, rough, rough state, and it could be turned into something beautiful in the master's hand. There you are you there? 1 Peter 2, 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. AND YOU ARE LIVING STONES THAT GOD IS BUILDING IN THE SPIRITUAL TEMPLE. WHAT'S MORE, YOU ARE HIS HOLY PRIESTS. THOUGH THE MEDITATION OF JESUS CHRIST, YOU OFFER SPIRITUAL, THROUGH THE MEDITATION OF JESUS CHRIST, YOU OFFER SPIRITUAL SACRIFICES THAT PLEASES GOD. AND THE SCRIPTURES SAY, I'M PLACING A CORNERSTONE IN JERUSALEM, CHOSEN FOR GREAT HONOR, He's SPEAKING OF CHRIST, AND ANYONE WHO TRUSTS HIM, NOW NOTICE, It goes from the discussion of a stone to a hymn that is being trusted and will never be disgraced. Yes, you trust Him and recognize the honor God has given Him. We sang that song, the name that is above every name. But for those who reject Him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone and is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock That makes them fall. See, some people fall over this Jesus. They don't want to receive him. They don't want to accept what the word says about him. And it says they will actually hurt themselves. They'll fall on him. (laughs) And they will stumble because they do not obey God's word. And they meet the fate that was planned for them. That's pretty straightforward. Verse 9 But you're not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I love that part. It's like, so you are a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Once you had no identity. Boy, that, this is where the devil is trying to go after this identity of our youth, all this craziness, once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people, and once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, as a temporary resident and a foreigner to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Let me read the King James, verse 12, 1 Peter 2:12, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that your good works, notice that you may be your good works, may your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. That's some specific language. New Living Translation says this, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors though even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God who will judge the, war, the, the world." You know, when you stand and stand up for life and hold a banner that says God loves children, it's amazing what that signifies and what it tri- triggers in some people. It says that, you know, adoption is a, is a holy option or a good option. But all of a sudden, that spirit of darkness as people drive by, they get so crazy. They'll get out the... They'll stick their head out the window. They'll flash you symbols that you don't want to be flashed at you. And it's all... You're holding a sign saying children are a gift from God. And it just triggers something in that. But when they see the behavior... I think Teresa was out there for 40 Days for Life, and she, I think she shared with me the other day that... She was all by herself, holding. and I guess someone drove by and said, I love what you're doing, and she came and joined with her as an example. They'll see your good works, even if they declare what you're doing is not right, they will see your good works and your behavior, and that good works draws them. And on the day of visitation, that is a specific day when he comes to judge the world. When that happens, we talked about wood, hay, and stubble, and everything that gets burned up, right? So now let's turn to Ephesians 2, and let's pick up and see what Paul says. That was Peter's encouragement. So in Ephesians 2, let's begin in verse 1. You have been created in Christ to do good works. Let's let that go down in your spirit a minute. You have been created in Christ to do good works. let's watch how this fits in the context of all of this. Chapter 2, verse 1, Ephesians 2, 1. Once you were dead, sheesh, let's stop right there a minute. You were a bunch of dead men's bones walking around. You were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world. King James says it this way, In the past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. You're dead when you're doing those kind of behaviors. He is the spirit that's at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, Paul joins in here. I like this. We can all probably say yes to this. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. You know, this malarkey that's being... Spoken that uh, God loves everybody and there's no judgment coming. He's going to bring everybody to heaven no matter what. He's too loving. Not in the book. Okay. But God is so rich in his mercy. Now here's his way out. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms." Now this is not past tense, uh, not a will be, this is now. It's current. And so let me read the King James, it says, "'Even when you were dead in sin, He hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and He has raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ.'" Now that is a theological brain wow. So you have, he has made you to sit in the heavenly realms. Well, where are the heavenly realms? We know from Peter's uh, dis- discussion, uh, Paul's uh, discussion, that he was raised to the third heaven. And he said in the third, this is in the book of Acts, you can look it up. In the book of Acts, he said, I was raised into the third heaven. Whether I was in body or not, I can't tell you, but I saw things that no man can ever utter. It was too mind-blowing what he saw there. So if there's a third heaven, that heavenly realm, we know that in the day of creation, he made the first heaven, right? That's where we see our atmosphere and all the stuff that's going on right now with all the, woo. those that are concerned about weather and all that, Right? But then there must be a second heaven. And my understanding of scripture, third heaven is there's no demonic presence in there, because we know from Revelation twelve that the devil's been kicked out of heaven. That's the great news. The bad news is he sit down here. Read Revelation twelve. Right, he's in he's been thrown here with his angels. About one third of that was swept out of heaven during the rebellion when Satan, Lucifer, who was this great amazing angel of worship decided he wanted to be God in his free will and he convinced a third of the other angels with him to bring in rebellion and it says Michael and the archangels fought against him and threw him down to the earth. So right now this atmospheric condition, we're now seated in a realm in the third heaven with Christ because Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So we're now seated there in the spiritual condition of that realm even though you are physically here right now. Now that's amazing and it's that place and someday when the veil is rent and your life ends, you step right through that thin veil and there you are. For those whose names are written in the, light, in the book, because you're no longer dead, because of His grace, not by your works, right? No. But by His grace and our faith in Christ, you have now been made to sit. you got a chair sitting in heaven with your name on it. With the, It says, we've been set together with Him. you got you got a name on your chair. Now, that ought to make you, well, you know, someday. No, no, no. no. He's already prepared a table for us here, but He's got a chair in heaven with your name on it that He's already made available for you. That ought to get you really like. I got it now. You, you go to your name. I got a chair in heaven. Like, okay. But there's a place where we're seated in the heavenly realms, and so this is really good news. He goes on and says, but it even gets better because He's chiseling on you because He's about to make you a masterpiece that He already declares. You know. When did it become a masterpiece? When Michelangelo finished or when it was a a piece of marble? The master saw the, the masterpiece before. Get me that stone. He paid for that stone. And he says, that's a masterpiece. Watch what I do with it. Years. Sparks flying, right? And so that masterpiece, he goes on, he says, you're already seated there, but look at this. He goes, you've been saved by grace. You believe because you can't take credit for this. This is verse 8. It's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for your good things that you've done. So none of us can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus Why? Why didn't he just take us to heaven right then? As soon as you got saved, let your heart stop and you're up there. We're good to go. No. He says, I got work for you to do. In fact, there's a whole lot of free Christians that I need you to help me get in. Right? He says, so he goes, he says, he has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. King James says it this way. Verse 10, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. Do you realize you have a whole work list? You got a honeydew do list. You got a hunt. My wife, she one of her one of her love languages, gifts of service, acts of service. I get a whole lot of points when she leaves me the honey do list and I do it exactly the way it's supposed to be done. Okay? She said, man, in the awesome man, he just did my honey, I got my list done. Oh, I just love you. It's like amazing, right? And so you've got a honeydew list from the one who loves you, who's waiting for you to do the good works that before the foundation of the earth was in your work list. Now that doesn't get you a whole lot of salvation because you're already saved, but it does get you rewards because you're gonna be rewarded according to the work and the motives that you did them in. And if not, during the fire test, when you, you got your honeydew do list, this one, I got this honeydew do list, this, and all of a sudden he takes his blowtorch, right? It says, on the day, and the wood and the hay and the stubble, the stuff yeah, I did all that, I see what I do for Jesus. Good luck with that one. You already got your reward, he says. We're going to read that. But, so, but the one that stays, that's the gold out of the heart done. And that becomes the list of those things that he has created. I can't do your honeydew list. You got to do it. Right? Now, there are, I, I, I've heard from people I really trust. When, um, when the Argentine revival, the Tommy Hicks revival was going down, there were others that were invited by God to go there. Tommy Hicks went. Reinhard Bunke, I remember before he died, I remember a testimony, I think it's in his book. He said, God, when he's having tens of millions of Africans coming to Christ, right? And the one where the man's raised from the dead in Nigeria. I don't know, did you guys ever hear him speak in Nigeria? These guys heard him in Nigeria speak, right? He shared one, he says, he asked God, he says, God, why are you letting me do all this? This is, this is really awesome. He goes, well, you were my third choice. Two others said no. So he'll get the work done. But when you get on the other side of it, there's going to be this, yeah, this is what I asked you to do, but this is what you got done, right? I'm not saying that you're going to lose salvation, but there will be some, oh man, if I only knew sooner, if I could have. So Lord, accelerate us to do what you've called us to do, all right? So you are a masterpiece. Look at your handout. This was kind of neat, when I looked this up in the Greek, it turns out that masterpiece, that particular word workmanship in the Greek is poema. See that there? We get that word poem. You are God's poem that He's writing. Think about that for a moment. He's writing a poem about you. He looks at you and he says, that's a masterpiece. You, you may see a rough hunk of stone right now, but that's a masterpiece. <laughs> I'm working on it. As long as they are submitted to the chisel, and as long as they keep walking with me, man, it is getting more and more finished, more and more beautiful. And he who began this work will continue to the perform it until that day. Well, let's look at verse, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're probably familiar with this where you have been created anew, a new creature, that word literally means a, um, a prototype. It's a, it, it's never existed before. You're not a copy. Now, before that was ever written, they didn't know anything about DNA. Now, you, you experts in the sciences of this, the DNA, there's, you're so specific in the DNA. In fact, we watched this uh, documentary about um, evolution at men's group last, was last, it was last week, right, yeah, and uh, it's crazy thinking. Now, this, yeah, I believe that um, Darwin got part of the selective, you know, stuff going on within the species, but when you look at this, when he wrote all that, when Darwin wrote all that craziness down, he had part of it right, went to Galapagos and looked at these species and how they had revolved over, yes, within the species, I, I can buy that, but when they look at this single cell being acted upon by some event that comes out of this single cell, comes out of the mud, even the scientists, that's just nuts. That's, that's crazy talk. And somehow, well, you take a lot of time. If you put millions of years on it, the mud can still transform into… A, no, look at the single cell. When you listen to the, the biologists now… The molecular biologist's about a single cell and everything that, t- absolutely, and it's the strand of DNA that produces the little baby. Come on. You know, this, I know I'm off on a tangent, but this is, this is something where you've been now created anew in Christ. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. You're a creature. Amen. My wife, so, Pat tells him, get out here, Pastor Tom. There's a creature in my office. <laughs> and like, like, it's never existed before or something. Wow. And then this little bug is about that big, and she's freaking out. You are a new creature in Christ. All things of God now have been reconciled. By Christ, So we are new creatures in Christ. It's actually a new life has begun. The day that your name was recorded in the book of life, you went from being dead to being alive and something happened. Even though your soul and your mind hasn't transformed completely, your spirit man is a new DNA. You have been made alive in Christ in your spirit. There's a transformation process, and that's where I believe the chiseling takes place. You got some mind stuff that's got to get, don't conform to the things of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't you think like that. That's not who you are in Christ. That lustful, ugly thing, that gossiping, hateful, racial, get that off you in your soul reign. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions that needs to get hacked off. Every day it's got to be cut off in Jesus name, that's the transforming power of the new. So my spirit man's alive, I'm brand new, I got a new DNA, in fact you're marked in heaven. How do you think the angels know when it says on that day when that eastern sky splits wide open and he says go get my elect ones, go get the family, gather them, they're all marked. In the Old Testament there was a marker, we see that. In the Old Testament they were marked. Go and punish the ones that don't carry the mark. You're marked in the blood. There's a DNA that marks you. Not only do you have a seat that he wants, go get my kids. They got to get to the seat up here in the realms, right? And he'll gather them. We are new creatures in Christ. I'm not the same. Now, people may look at you. Well, I remember that guy and that woman and this stuff. That You ever know what they used to do? Praise God. I am set free. The old man is dead. That is not, you're not talking about, you're not talking about that me anymore. That's an old guy. He's, I got, I'm a new creature in Christ, right? Well, what about that? How about Jesus? Let's look at Acts chapter 10 for a moment. In Acts 10, Jesus was anointed for works. Jesus was anointed for works. whoa. Okay, let's look at that. Acts chapter 10. Let's begin in verse 34. Acts ten thirty-four. Peter says this. This is right after Cornelius, the Italian soldier, right? He gets, he's doing all these amazing works for God. He's, he's an occupying soldier. Think about this. He's, a, he's an officer over a regiment, and they're in occupying the Holy Land. But he doesn't see himself in that role, even though he's fulfilling that role. So what does he do? In the midst of his assignment, his deployment, wherever you are deployed, then he's doing this by praying and giving alms and caring for the poor and the broken. And so we see in Acts 10, he picks up and he's, right after that amazing interchange with Cornelius, Peter writes this, I see very clearly now verse 34 i see very clearly now that god shows no favoritism in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right do you fear him and do you do what is right this message of the good news is for the people of israel there is peace with god through jesus christ who is the lord of all you know what happened throughout judea beginning in galilee after John began preaching in his map- message of baptism, and you know that God, here it is God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. King James, verse 38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So we see that this is that amazing process of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that Cornelius, you can turn just at the beginning of that, Cornelius, because of his good works, he's noticed his whole family gets completely anointed, filled with the Holy Ghost, all saved. But what what caused this, why did God pick Cornelius? There were a lot of Roman officers there. There were a lot of Romans in that. Why did God pick Cornelius? He was noticed by God. Here's what it says. Look at verse 31. Peter says, he told him, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Well, we know that also in verse 4. It says, the angel appears to Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have become and received as God as an offering. Something happens in the good works that God notices. Now, we don't work to get his attention, but when your motive is right, I'm I'm sure Cornelius wouldn't say, can't wait for God to notice me. Had no idea. He just did it. He just loved God. He was a devout man. He prayed regularly, and he gave gifts. And that made way for God to say do you see this Roman officer he, has, he doesn't have to be doing this look what he's doing get down there angels go report I want you to get down there and tell him God's noticed him and then we're going to use him to open the door to all the Gentiles but in the meantime bless this whole family baptize the whole power group get him can you imagine that assignment yes sir the commander of the army has just given us an order down he goes appears to Cornelius you... whoa Come on. You hear the parallels of God. Not that we're trying to do this. The motive of Cornelius, oh, it was not that. Okay, well, let's go on. It says, now go and do the same. Are you doing the same? Right? I, I won't look here, but number three, it says, in 1 John 3, it says, the Son of God, I covered this Wednesday night, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. John fourteen twelve. now you go and do greater works because I go to the Father greater works than what Jesus did. I was like, what? Then we know the Great Commission. I've listed them there in Matthew 28, Mark 16. Anyone, now listen to this, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and greater. Sometimes we pass over the work part. Anyone who believes in Christ will do the same works, there's that word again, that I have done and even greater. I have power in it. Jesus, come on, Lord, release that power that you work through us, God. Let us have now. Number four says, how do you go about this? See, this is the challenge. When you start to see God moving, (laughs) watch out. I remember my father, Randy Clark, he openly shared this in testimony. When God started to move on him, right, he's got a church of 110 people, gets up to Toronto, God starts moving, 10 years of revival. But as he was laying hands on people, He remembered at one point something rise up in him and the Holy Spirit said, be careful. Don't touch my glory. Randy, and he's one of the most humble pastors I know. I love his life. Humility and attitude and motive, number four there. Because we know that pride and anger and jealousy, man, it'll kill you. Are you listening? That will kill you. Look at Cain. You know, this whole thing about Cain and Abel, Cain brings his vegetables with a wrong attitude, right? Abel brings his sacrifice of an animal, and God accepts it. And God warns Cain, he says, be careful that sin is crouching right at the door, right now, waiting to get you in your anger. Don't let your anger and your jealousy rise up, because it's a murdering spirit that's why I said don't let the sun go down on your offense, right? See that in Ephesians. Don't let the sun go down on your offense, because it gives a great stronghold, a foothold to the devil. You, you meditate motive- on your thought life. That you person, you go to bed with that on your mind, and over a period of time, that thing that becomes anger, and it may be a, a valid anger, it says be angry and sin not. You don't have to agree with everything. But something happens in that process that it opens the door because we know hatred is a murdering spirit out of 1 John. You meditate on bitterness, resentment, and and all of that. I refuse to... Well, guess what Matthew told... Jesus said in Matthew, you refuse to forgive and you will not be forgiven by the Father. And those are strong, powerful words. So it's not about what you feel. It's about your choice. So you put a boundary up. You don't let yourself get hurt again. You don't have to go to dinner with that person, right? But there's something about this, don't let pride and anger and jealousy kill the good works that you're called into doing. Number five, let your, now this one, this one I've, this one perplexed me before, right? This one really perplexed me before. Number five, we see in this one it says, let your good deeds shine before men. Let's, let's read there. And then you'll find out it says, don't let your good deeds shine before men. It's like, well, what is it, Man. Come on, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. He's going to help us. Okay, take a look at Matthew 5, 16. He teaches, let's look at verse, 4 let's begin in verse 14. So Matthew 5, this is Jesus speaking, red letter. Matthew 5 and verse 14, he teaches about being salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. That's awesome. But if you're not flavorful, (laughs) what good are you? You ought to be just thrown out. Yipes. Verse 14, Jesus didn't mix a whole lot of words. You're the light of the world. Yay! So why don't you let it shine? What are you putting it under a basket here? Well, instead, well, yeah, well, pastor, I'm an undercover Christian. Oh, Secret agent Christian. Wow, that's awesome. It's not biblical, but it's, all, it's like awesome. Okay, so it's like you're the the light of the world, a city on a hilltop because you're a royal priesthood and holy nation, right? You're a stone that's alive and living, right? Instead of a lamp being placed under a stand, and then he says in verse 16, well, why do that? In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. King James says it this way. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Here we are again. Your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So you do those works, right? I love it when, when our teams, man, they go to the jailhouse overseas. They go to House of Mercy. This week there's people there that are crying. They're broken. They show up at the door and, like, and our team goes out and they minister to them. Give them food. Give them prayer. Give them hope. It's like... Man, those are good works. And God sees it. And it's, the the people, I remember this lady came in so distraught, probably about a month and a half ago, came to Pat, crying at House of Mercy, just broken, had no money, couldn't buy her uh, medication, her tires. They told her, don't even drive on it. You can see the, 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 the things coming through the rim. It's like, she got here and says, I'm just ready to give it up, give it up, I heard about you guys, and man, I just pray how God just showed up, she came back a few weeks later, singing the praises of God, wanting to give them to us, they said, it's not us, it's the people who give their tithes and their offering who make this possible, all we are is the gloves on his hand, that's all we are, right, this is from Jesus, you accepted from Jesus, right, and so, when we see that, it says, let it shine. Well, okay, go to chapter 6, Jesus speaking again. He says, it's teaching about giving to the needy. Verse 1, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as a hypocrite. Blowing the trumpets in the synagogues. I guess when the hypocrites, I just gave somebody money, it's me, right? Not a good deal. You've already got your reward. So, Lord, is, do, do, we, do we let our good deeds be done or do we not? Go back to what it says, who's getting the credit? Amen. Who is getting the credit? First of all, you can't even control one breath. You can't even control one heartbeat, Right? <laughs> It's all in his hand. He knows exactly beginning and end of this thing, alpha and omega. He knows how much money you got. He knows what are you doing with it? How are you sowing? What are you doing? He knows. So he gets all the credit. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Help me to be a good steward of what you've given me. Multiply it so I can multiply more. All right. Number six. Let's turn to Isaiah 58. This one will mess with you. True and false worship. He goes after Israel here in Isaiah 58. They were feeling pretty good about themselves, regularly fasting, doing all the you know we're going hungry <laughs> for you. We have got ashes on our heads. We're doing great. And guess what Jesus says? What is this fast? Verse well, he's first of all he shouts with the trumpet in verse one tell the people, get their attention, basically, let me have their attention, tell my people of Israel, they act so pious, they come to the temple every day, wow, some people slept in this morning, I'm not going there, okay, they come to the temple every day, delighted to learn about me, they act as a righteous nation, they would never abandon the laws of its God, wow. They asked me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want me to be near them. Pretending they want me to be near. But we fasted, and aren't you impressed? No, I'm not impressed. He's not impressed. It's because of your fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting if you're fighting and quarreling among you? This gossip and this quarreling and this anger and hatred, you you're gonna fast and you're gonna let that, you're gonna wink at that and you I'm not having it. Amen. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, verse five. Bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves in ashes. Is that the kind of fasting? Do you really think that this pleases the Lord? This is Isaiah. Man, that's, I thought I had hard sermons. This guy. Woohoo. Verse six. No. This kind of fasting is what I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. That's why I love this today, this morning. Uh, Mark had this in. He says this whole thing about freedom. And it's like, yeah, this is good. (laughs) It's like... These, these things, these chains, we're, we're spending eight weeks training and equipping. How do you break people free? How do you show them salvation? How do you pray for healing over sickness? How do you come against demons that are oppressing them, causing them to be broken? Let the, this is the kind of fast I like. This is a fast, eight weeks of teaching with Pastor Tom on a Wednesday night. Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> do not he know I work all week? Yeah. yeah. I'm just messing. I'm just messing, but hey, the Holy Spirit might not be. So let me, share your food with the hungry and give your shelter to the homeless. Give your clothes to those who need them and don't hide yourself from your relatives who need help. Uh Uh-oh. Your relatives need help? But pastor, you don't know what they're like around Thanksgiving and, you know, the things they've said. Then your salvation will come like, now look what happens as a result of the true fast. Your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will heal quickly. Whoa. Your godliness will lead you you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And when you call, the Lord will answer and say, yes, I am here. Quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of the oppression. Stop pointing your finger and speaking vicious rumors. In this political season, that would be a really good word for us right now. Feed the hungry. Here we are again. Help those in trouble. Then your light, this is a result, your light will shine from the darkness back on the hill with the light. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry and restoring your strength, you're going to be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as the rebuilders of the wall and restorers of the homes. Wow. Well, let me, let me finish. Let me land this thing. If you look at it, the miracles portray the good works of God. Amen? Is that right? Let me give you just one example. Turn with me to John chapter 9. In John 9, this was another intriguing scripture I used to have a lot of questions about because, you know, we like to understand justice and fairness, right? In fact, I had someone in my office recently had a lot of stuff happen in their life that it looks sad and tragic and there's just not a whole lot of answers to it. Some of us have all walked there, right? There's stuff in your life that... Why did that happen, God? And people can get bitter and blame God. You let this happen. But let's look at this scripture because this is what I believe the Holy Spirit revealed to me. We look at life right here, right? We're in Kronos. He's in Kairos. Eternity. What you go through here, do you think he can... Make up anything that's happened to you that the devil brought against you or you stood for the kingdom in. He's got this amount. We're like, God didn't, he didn't show up here. We, even the psalmist writes that. He's like, when are you coming? The wicked are prospering. What are the, ah, right? Even Job's friends came. Job, you must have sinned. Go. <laughs> oh, even Job's wife is, you're a mess, Job. Look at you, boiled up and oh my God. I don't wanna... <laughs> Just curse God and die, Job. Well, that's real encouraging from your spouse right? Just get rid of this guy, right? He's all, right? So the world will judge us when they see things going on that they have no idea. We need to be very careful here. Here's one. You know, I had a situation grow up. My, my Down Syndrome brother, Jeffrey, he's my second brother. Often I questioned God. I said, God, Jeff loved you so much. I remember he'd sit here and dance, and when the Holy Spirit would come on him, he was he was probably almost 200 pounds, and about four—I don't know—eleven, something—and like, he would spin, and we knew he was under the power of the Holy Ghost. I said, "He didn't fall." were times, like he's going to get hurt doing all that, but he—and he said, "I love Jesus. I love Jesus." So he's in heaven now. But you know, do you think God can take that life and do something? In fact, recently, someone told me they saw in their mind I was like my brother he has a renewed body and you know that day when the veil crossed and I cross over and, I meet, and we're going to have a better understanding because we look right now darkly through all these glasses that we think we understand you're not God and neither am I and what he's saying is watch out how you judge things guard your heart because this man was really angry he came I'm so angry at God I said, well, that, that's not really good okay that's not going to work to your benefit okay but look at this scripture, and I'm sure the parents of this guy could have asked that question. John nine, verse one. Jesus was walking along, and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Whoa. How old, we don't know, but blind from birth, and he's now a man. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, "Was this man born blind? Was it the sin, his own sin, or his parents' sin that brought the blindness? Jesus answered him, neither. See they had already concluded sin brings sickness and that is just a lie. There's somebody listening on live stream right now, you have believed that lie, that you deserve punishment, that this is a punishment from God, that is a lie. Sickness and disease is from the works of the devil. And we're supposed to resist that. We had a word today, people were gonna get healed. Right now I'm speaking healing into that microphone, into that that camera right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to release a healing anointing over this house and over those that are listening either by live stream or will listen in the podcast in the future. Supernatural healing in the name of Jesus, especially over eyes and ears in the name of Jesus. Because right now Jesus said, it's neither. His parents didn't sin and he didn't sin. Well then, what is it? Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly, listen to Jesus, we must quickly, he's talking about a we, must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Amen. King James says it this way, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must work the works of him who sent me. While there is day. So he is telling us this is the good work. So what does he do? You know this one, right? We, we focus on he makes mud, <laughs> spits in and makes mud and put it on the guy's eyes and tell him to go wash. Like yipes. Spit from the mud. That's amazing. Why did he do that? I don't know. But the guy didn't revolt from it. He went and washed and he says, I don't know. And then he gets Jesus, gets in trouble from the religious right and left both. They say like, who did this? Who did, I don't, the guy's blind. <laughs> I don't know, I don't, all I know is I was blind and now I can see. And it's a whole testimony that just gets, well, wow. all right. Do your good works because the miracles matter. We see from Cornelius' Acts. Let me, let me just um, encourage you right now. Some of you have been called, and I believe this is in a, a time where you're, you're going to step into your assignments. You're going to start seeing some things differently. Um, and because of those little yeses, see, when, when Cornelius began the little yes, he started helping the poor, and he started praying, becoming a devout man. His motive was not to get accolades, right? God saw it. When you say a little yes, things open. Right now, let me just quickly share a testimony. Um, I believe that part of the reason my heart burns for world missions is something that happened in a little yes my wife and I had over 30 years plus, 35 years ago. I was working for General Electric, I was a middle level guy, manager. We got saved, you know, if you've been here you know my testimony, if not get the book. And I get saved, well we, we leave this particular church we're in because we just were led, we had moved actually out of the boonies. And we started going to the Christian Missionary Alliance, CMA Church. And Christian Missionary Alliance. Interesting. They are big in missions, okay? They their theology, doctrine is the Holy Spirit is seek not, forbid not. If you get it, that's good, but don't talk about it. So I got it. And they're like, wow, my wife's got it. I was like, we don't wow, this is and our pastor, our senior pastor, been a missionary, Reverend uh, Pastor Dropa and his wife. And so I went to Pastor I. I believe the Holy Spirit. He goes, yeah, just good, good, okay. So, a missionary comes to the church on a Sunday. Sunday evening, we go there, and it was a missionary from Cambodia. And it was during the Khmer Pol Pot massacre. And the missionary starts to show the pictures of over two million people that have been slaughtered by genocide. The Khmer Rouge was a communist or there was a revolution. Some of you weren't even born yet, don't know, but it was off. It's like the genocide that's going on now in some of the places in Syria, etc., with Christians, the Assyrians, just trying to wipe them out. ISIS tried to kill them, take them out. Anyway, we're sitting there on a Sunday night. My wife and I, we're only a few years in the Lord, and they show these pictures of the horror of the, destru- of the destruction. And she said, look, if the missionary said, if you want to help, see me afterwards. Well, my wife and I are crying. We go up and we say, w- what can we do? You know, we're, we-, we got two little babies. Sarah was little. <laughs> Katie was even littler. My other two children weren't born yet. And uh, she says, well, world relief, world vision, um, if you want to sponsor a family, you could bring a family into the United States because they won't come in by they don't sneak in the border, you got to come in and be sponsored by a, by a particular family who's a citizen in the United States, and you have to take financial guarantees for them, you have to find them a place to live, you are responsible, they are like your kids. I said, okay, sign us up, how do we do it? So they vet us, make sure we're not strange sex traffickers or crazy people. He says, no, there's a young, young couple, okay. I remember getting a no- call from him that says, your family will be arriving at Albany Airport. Uh, you can pick them up on this date. This is what they look like. They sent us pictures of it. We signed all the responsibility financially for all of that. Yep. So you get there. Remember, Sing and Pan and one-year-old Malai. They get off skinny, sick, had never ridden in a plane and had never ridden on a car before. And they flew from the Philippines in a staging area. Came in, minimal medical checking up, and they get in our car in the back seat. He speaks no English. None of them speak English. He was a Buddhist monk, and uh, in the back seat of the car, and we're going down the Northway at 65 miles an hour, and they're in the back, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know any. I don't know that because they, they can't communicate. I had bought a Khmer to English dictionary. We would sit, now he was, he was educated which was uh, rare in some of those cases. He'd been educated as a Buddhist monk so he could read Khmer. He actually spoke several languages. So we would sit on the kitchen table at night and we would translate a paragraph. It might take us an hour and a half and that's how we'd communicate. Signed him up to go to um, English classes. So they lived in our house. I had restructured a bathroom downstairs. They'd, they'd never used a flush toilet before. So the first, I bought him a bed. big enough bed. I said, well, you know, they got the baby. We got a crib for the baby. Go down the first night. Everything is, they didn't use paper diapers and all that. that. All the, everything is in the, in the toilet, all clogged. It's like the bed, they didn't sleep in the bed. They took the mattress off and they put it on the floor and the baby slept between them. That's why the snakes wouldn't get them in Cambodia. And so, um, so I'm like, okay. So now we start which I'm training them, We've got to talk to them about hygiene and dress and how to use the bus so they can get the Schenectady to be able to learn their English and um, they needed a job. So our church was looking for janitors. So we signed them up as janitors. So Jenny and I became the janitors for the church for a year, showed them how to clean toilets and how to do all that, right? So this is, what, this is what's happening, so I remember one day he comes up to the, bath, the breakfast table and I had been talking to Sean about hygiene and shaving and all that stuff, right? Like a young kid. And uh, he smells like Lysol. And I'm like, Sing, sing. He goes, Ah, oh, yeah, deodorant. I go, Show me. Takes me down. He's got Lysol deodorizer, and his armpits are all burned from, from the deodorizer. He goes, No like, no like. I said, Yeah, me either. <laughs> and so. I said, okay, so when, uh, when they're there, one morning he calls me down, he goes, Papa, come. We open up Malai's, she's one, open up Malai's diaper, and there's a worm about that big in the diaper. I'm like, okay, we're not in Kansas anymore. I don't know what that is, but that is not good. <laughs> so I get on a, Lord, help, help, what do we do now? So I call, there's a doctor just opened a practice, Dr. Walsh Weinberg. I call him up, I tell him my situation. He goes, pro bono, bring those people to me. We'll research this thing. I have no idea what South East stuff looks like, but bring it to me. So I get the thing and then bring it to him. He goes, I've researched it. That's a liver fluke. I said, He goes, okay, we're gonna do this. You gotta go get your whole household now. Uh, You gotta go and get uh, stool samples. Sorry, stool samples. And do you know what it's like to get seven people in one hour to get a stool sample and get it over to the lab? Good Lord, you got to pray and get, right? And so I get all the, and you got to go several times a week. The technician, they knew me by name, all right? So I'd walk in there, I got a Cool Whip container, I got a vegetable container. He finally took me aside. He goes, Mr. Hauser, we just need a sample. We don't need all this, (laughs) okay? He says, you want me to get a sample? Okay. And so, anyway. So, long story short, Walsh Weinberg, they get some healthy. They get things. We had the health department at our house, sample, and my dad was beside himself. He goes, I won't, anyway, I won't go into the detail, but he's like, I told you so. It's all right, dad. We're here. We're being missionaries. And so, so, what's the point? Well, I decided that Pon gets pregnant, so now i got to talk to him about that and how he knew how it worked, but it was like, what do you do now in the United States? And when the baby was born, there was a lot of complications and nearly died. And uh, the husband got so mad, what he said is, um, I'm not naming the baby. I said, you can't bring the baby home without a name. Well, then Ginny, Mama Ginny, named the baby. So Elijah Singh <laughs> is alive and well. <laughs> and, and so... I'll end this story, but quickly, we, they ended up migrating after a year. We, we got them an apartment, we signed. I remember the guy who gave me this housing business. They, if they burn down my apartment by building a fire in the middle of my living room, you're gonna be responsible. I said, do you want me to call the housing authority right now? That's called discrimination. <laughs> well, then you sign it. I said, I will, and I signed it. And so, I remember when they were leaving, he told me, these are the best tenants I've ever had, and uh, I apologize for what you did. Well, they ended up migrating, 400 Cambodians were in L.A., kind of made a little village out of a whole apartment complex, and I was on a GE assignment, and I went, our our headquarters used to be in San Jose, so I was near L.A. at a meeting, and I said, man, I'm only a few miles from where they are, so I called them up, and I said, I'd like to come see you. I haven't seen you in, it's been 15 years and I like you know, Christmas cards and all that, wonderful, he started a business, had a cleaning company, she was worked for Ramada, awesome, how they simulated English. And so I walk up and as I drive into the cab, all these Cambodian kids, all ages, sizes come running out of this complex. The sponsor's here, the sponsor's here, I'm like the sponsor, oh that's me, <laughs> and so, and up as I step out of the car, this beautiful 16-year-old bilingual girl comes up to me. She says, hello, Papa. I'm Malai. I said, oh. i like, hi, Malai. And she starts to converse with me in perfect English about her mom and go upstairs. And the men eat first. And the women serve. They, I don't know how much they spend on their paycheck. But I was like, and so from that point, the next time I had that sense of value, of having an impact was when I was in Mozambique with Heidi and Roland in the bush, when the Zambezi and the villages were wiped out by the overflow of the Zambezi River, and the dead and the dying and the starvation and the babies. I have a picture in my Bible that I keep with me of my wife, eyes closed, hugging this little girl, and they would bring the dying children to my wife. Mamas wanted a blessing, malaria, sickness. I said, God, as long as we live we will move this kingdom and we will care about missions. And you have picked that up and I want to honor all of you who have embraced that vision. Right now there's over 48,000 in Nepal that are walking and the advancement of that kingdom Those who are Hindus, those who are non-believers that are now in the Himalayas that are coming to Christ, they planted two churches this past year, so we're up to 105, 106 churches. There's eight um, what they call house churches there that are going to be the next set of churches. And so, in the midst of that, so let's stand and let's just, I just want to thank God that we want to walk in the good works of God. And each of us has an assignment. God, I pray that we would shut out all the noise, all the distractions. Let us get quiet with you and ask that you would share your your list of things. And it could be just a, a small thing. We don't know how God is gonna, my encouragement would be follow your passion. Follow what, where your heart is. If it's to feed the hungry, to to, TO TRAIN THE CHILDREN, TO PRAY, TO GO TO OUTREACHES, WHEREVER IT IS THAT YOU'RE PASSIONATE, FIRST FRUITS, CARING FOR THOSE THAT ARE SICK, GOING TO HOSPITAL VISITATION, DRIVING A TRUCK TO GET THE FOOD, TO BRING IT HERE. THERE IS ABSOLUTELY UNLIMITED THINGS THAT NEED TO BE DONE. Ask the Lord to show you his passion in you. I guarantee you that if you will step there and walk there, then you'll have that place where he will meet you there, and he'll multiply the blessing. Ministry team, if you'll come, and if you're here this morning, and one, you just want to confirm an area that you want to let go of, there's anything that the Holy Spirit's touched on today, don't leave here without receiving your prayers. It's something that's as if two or three would agree as touching, it shall be done for them. So, Lord, we just thank you that you're able to do exceeding and abundantly above what we would ask and even think about. So when you call us into a particular area, Lord, we ask that you would release that anointing like you did over Jesus. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and went about doing good works. So I thank you, Lord, for your privilege of allowing us to be partners with you in the kingdom. Now, God, we ask that you would release an anointing over every family that's here, and we thank you in Jesus' name.